Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. We're back with a really interesting podcast today that's bound to leave our listeners with major aha moments and some serious reflection about how certain mindsets hold people back from achieving the health and wellness they desire. But before I tell you more, I want to read you an awesome review from Shro 3 on iTunes. She says, I can't tell you how much I love these podcasts. These ladies save my perception of myself and help me at least like the body I see in the mirror every day. I love the topics they approach, especially about feeding your kids. Each time I listen to a podcast, my day improves like having coffee with friends. I almost always have a heck yeah moment while listening. Keep them coming. Thank you so much if you've taken the time to give us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't, I would love for you to do so. And I may even share it on the podcast. Now, let me tell you more about today's topic. If you're a longtime listener to our podcast or a member of our Facebook community, you'll know that one of our biggest pieces of advice is consistency over intensity. In the long run, people who focus on building out a balanced plan that works for them 365 days a year are going to make far better progress than those who go hard and then quit several times a year. Side note, shameless plug for Balance 365. While you may understand that, you may also still struggle with being consistent with the day-to-day changes that are needed to get you there. The great news is that a lot of it comes down to your mindset, and if you identify with any of the mindsets we talked about today, you can also immediately start working on changing it. Reframing your thoughts has a trickle-down effect to your feelings and behaviors. We see it every day in Balance 365, and I can't wait to share more with you on today's episode. Enjoy! Ladies, welcome. Uh, so Jen told me I was not supposed to ask you how you were doing. And now I feel like all I want to do is ask, how are you doing? But instead, I'm going to ask about, we have some holidays coming up this weekend. Um, it's Canada Day on July 1st and Independence Day uh, July 4th here. So Jen, do you have any plans for the holiday? Um, we're just staying home actually and taking in the local events And then on July 3rd, um, the boys are going to their grandparents for a week. So I am very excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's super fun. Lauren, Lauren, what about you? Do you have any plans for the 4th? Not for the 4th. It's on a Wednesday this year. But we do um, at our house have like an annual 4th of July party the weekend on the weekend. So we're having it on Saturday. And there's fireworks that, um, like really good fireworks you can see right from our front yard. So everyone comes over and we have a barbecue and watch the fireworks. That's exciting. Yeah. It's it's supposed to be a hundred degrees. So thanks for the invite. Oh my goodness. Oh, you're always invited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll just hop in the car. Yeah. 
Yay. All right. So we've got a uh, really good topic. And Jen, you kind of brought this to us. And we're going to cover 11 personality traits that aren't conducive for maintaining consistency with health and wellness. And Jen, since you're the one that brought this topic to us for discussion, why don't you tell us where you learned about these? Sure. So there's a woman um, that I follow and have a few of her books, um, and she talks a lot about um, the psychology of eating, I guess. Um, And her name is Karen Koenig. She is a social worker, um, has her master's in education, and she wrote this book with, um, I think, the page... O'Mahony, I think is the name, but that's actually an MD. So these two women, um, they wrote one book in particular that we're basing this out of called Helping Patients Outsmart Overeating, Psychological Strategies for Doctors and Healthcare Providers. And this is a book that we will um, be forcing and <laughs> we will be recommending to <laughs> requiring our balance like our balance 365 coaches um will be reading this because it's it's amazing but and it's for healthcare providers but definitely also for coaches um so anybody who listens to us because we do i know we do have healthcare people that uh listen as well we have doctors psychologists that listen in that we know about and this is a really great book for them to get um because you can imagine that it can be frustrating for a doctor who's only sees their patient maybe once every couple months to try and help them with behavior change, right? Because we know how hard it is and we work with women on a daily basis. So this book is sort of for doctors, healthcare providers that are frustrated with why their patients aren't being consistent with this behavior change and how to help them. And this um, section in particular was very interesting to me and made a lot of sense based on our experience and that there are certain personality traits um, that make those people very resistant to um, long-term consistency with the health and wellness habits that they actually desire to make. So... That's, um, I'm really excited to dive into this because, uh, as you said, it sounds like it really kind of backs up our, um, experience in coaching women that you're, feels like sometimes, uh, you can try to be like forcing, what's the saying? I'm always about sayings on podcasts, um, a (laughs) square peg and a round hole. Like the answer isn't just to like force yourself and like willpower and discipline. Like there's, there might be some reasoning to behind why you're struggling with what you're struggling with. Yeah, and so for people listening, they might see themselves in these 11 personality traits, and it doesn't mean that you're not destined to, you know, be that the rest of your life. You can start working on that, which is, you know, a big part of Balance 365, right, is working on mindset and approach and working through mental blocks. Um, So yeah, this is really interesting, and I will say before we start that I saw myself in several of these personality traits, and not just when it comes to being consistent with health and wellness habits, but also, um, like I've shared on the podcast before, I think that I have, I have like a brutal money mindset. So, um, you know, as, as far as like, you know, how I invest my money and how much money I make and guilt around it. And so you can kind of start to see. So I was actually thinking about that when I was going through these um, 
so yeah, people I think will really relate to them, not just with health and wellness, but in other areas of their life for sure. Yeah. And before we get started, uh, we do want to give a little disclaimer that these are generalizations and that there are also mental health issues that should be addressed and that can be preventing people from resolving disordered eating issues like personality disorders, mood disorders, anxiety, depression, PTSD, trauma abuse. And that's really out of our scope. It's definitely out of our scope of practice and that that deserves professional help if if that um, includes you. Yeah, that's actually a really important point to make because um, those are major issues that do need a professional, but they, they can, those issues can be um, major roadblocks pe- to, for people in living the life they want to live. So, and I mean, we see it every day almost in Healthy Habits, Happy Moms and even in, even in Balance 365 that as an act of self-care, women start um, seeking out treatment for these issues and it can be life-changing for them, right? And saying, you know, why didn't I get treatment for my anxiety years ago, um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we'd love to see people yeah. Sometimes it takes a team, you know, like it does. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no For shame sure. in that. Um, it takes a village. Absolutely. So let's get right in to the first one. Jen, lead us. Great. So the first one we're going to cover is something we talk about often in Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, and it's called all or nothing thinking. So that's that sounds ri- familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very rigid thinking, black or white thinking, um, good versus bad, success versus failure, um, and and those people will um, they eat very controlled or restricted, or they're eating very uncontrolled and unrestricted. And this can also apply to exercise as well, because some people are either you know they're on the wagon or off the wagon with their diet or with their exercise. So that has been um, discovered, I guess, no surprise to us that um, people who have that mindset, it will be very difficult for them to maintain a moderate balanced lifestyle um, consistently. Yeah. And one of the analogies that we use often is the pendulum that if you, you know, I I always think of those those little, this is going to sound terrible, but those hanging balls. <laughs> right. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah. That yeah. you pull one back and you pull it really hard and then. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> you guys. Mature. What kind of podcast is this? This should not be another hand in the podcast. <laughs> Normally I'm the immature one and these two are giving me red face giggles right now. But um, the, the further you pull that back, the further it swings to the other side. And, um, it's just, that's, that's a lot of all or nothing there that you're either on one side or the other and letting it kind of calm down in the middle somewhere is usually a really peaceful place to be, but it's a matter of not pulling in one direction so hard. Right. I think a lot of people don't even realize they're on that pendulum swing. They're either hitting a high point on one side or hitting a high point on the other side, and they're just in chaos. Um, so controlled and chaos. And it can. And if you imagine a pendulum slowing down, you can also see that it does take some time. So maybe you don't swing as high the next time. Yeah. But eventually where we're trying to get women in Balance 365 is to center, which is just... 
a very mindful, peaceful, conscious place to live as far as health and wellness choices. And in addition to requiring some patience for that pendulum to kind of settle down in the middle, more moderate area, you also have to fight that a lot of people are going to be applauding and congratulating and encouraging you when you're on that really controlled, restricted Right area of the pendulum that when you're when you are on the wagon and you're in the zone and you're doing everything really 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 well and you're checking all the boxes people are clapping for you like that's really encouraged in our culture and um, moderation where it's like hey I had some ice cream and now I'm gonna go work out or I missed a workout but I'm gonna have some veggies with dinner like that's kind of like more like wow great (laughs) yeah right so the attitude in our culture is often. you know, it's like you had some ice cream, you better go work out mm-hmm. because you have to go negate that ice cream that you just ate kind of thing. And we're trying to right. say, no, no, you don't like that's not what it's about. Yes. Um, and the other thing is that all or nothing thinking and this good versus bad food or good versus bad exercise or whatever, it brings morality into food. And we are trying to take the morality out of it. Um, so food isn't good or bad. There's maybe food that you want to eat more often and other foods you want to eat less often. But um, so for example, even a Snickers bar has nutrients in it. (laughs) So there's even, you know, your body will, you know, you can think of like the worst food. I don't know what you know, whatever people have in their head, whether like for me, it used to be ice cream was the worst food, but ice cream has calcium in it and vitamin D and, you know, like, you know, and that's just, you can, your body will take what it, what it can from any food. And, um, another thing I often talk about in Balance 265 with our members is that sometimes the high energy food is what you need. So, you know, it just depends on the situation. So I remember one time I was out working in the yard and I was really sweaty and really busy and really hot and I had forgotten to eat. And when I came in, I was feeling faint. And the last thing I needed to do was sit down with a salad. Like right. I, and I, and I went to the pantry and I ate like three granola bars immediately. And I felt fantastic afterwards. So, you know, in that situation, I needed quick energy ASAP. And, um, obviously my granola bars have some sugar in them and all of that. And, and, you know, that's what I needed in that moment. So yeah, just kind of understanding the whole picture of food and, um, yeah. Right. And your body gives you those cravings for that high energy food for a reason, right? It's not just because, I mean, I don't know, it's for a reason. And another trait with all or nothing thinking, I think, is when we talk about eating a Snickers bar or eating ice cream, when you're in that all or nothing mode, it's easy to think we're saying eating ice cream or Snickers all the time. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying you can't have a Snickers and also in the same day have a totally balanced diet. Right. You know, that's another trap of the all or nothing thinking. You can have a Snickers bar with a balanced dinner and that's okay. Right. The problem with the pendulum though, is that when you're on the swing on the other side, when you're swinging into chaos after, as we've talked about, and anyone who hasn't listened, please go back and listen to the Minnesota starvation experiment podcast. When you're in the, when your pendulum is swinging into chaos, that is actually all you crave. 
Right. Like you think you could eat ice cream all day long or Snickers bars all day long. That's how you feel because you've been in such a long period of restriction. But as Lauren has said before, I challenge you to actually do that and see how long you would go. And maybe you could for a couple of days and then you would not want another Snickers bar for probably a while after that. (laughs) I still haven't recovered from um, like Halloween, like 1995 when I ate 10 Butterfinger candy bars and then yacked them up. Like I'm just... Like done. I'm done with yeah. Butterfinger bars for a, a good while. Like one Butterfinger bar, yummy. Ten Butterfinger bars, yucky. No. <laughs> and yeah, it's actually that's we've talked about this on previous podcasts that sometimes you have to make those mistakes to learn, right? It doesn't make you bad, but just like we all have to make mistakes and, and we do make mistakes in different areas of life that helps us right ourselves. And we don't have to we don't have to live in the black and white zone. We don't have to say or a success versus failure. If you make a mistake like that, you're not a failure. You've just, you've learned, you've grown. What would you do different next time? Right? Absolutely. And the only way you really learn is from making those mistakes. So absolutely. The most wise people are people who have made a lot of mistakes and learned. That's what we like to tell ourselves anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell myself every day. We're such savvy business (laughs) women. We're so smart at business because we've made a lot of mistakes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. All of the mistakes. <laughs> yes, quite a few. But, you know, live and learn. Uh, okay, second personality trait, perfectionist. Jen, you want to tell us about perfectionist or are we interrupting your coffee pouring here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I brought all my coffee stuff down to my office because whenever we're recording podcasts, I always run out of coffee and then I'm like, waiting till we're done. And so today I was like, so here's my cream. I'm sorry to today interrupt I- your coffee drinking time <laughs> with our podcast. <laughs> I'm just pouring my coffee. Um, so perfectionists. Um, so perfectionists attach themselves to being perfect, which is extremely stressful. So that is like, imagine you were um, like throwing a dart at a dartboard. Perfectionists are constantly getting into that middle ring like that is their they have no range of error because it's that's what they want um and we've talked about this in previous podcasts but the diet and fitness industries have misled people into thinking that being fit or quote-unquote healthy is about perfection um but the problem is is that nobody can really meet those high standards um especially with food and exercise and perfectionism is stressful and it causes anxiety. And I've been there, so I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm raising and my hand at this one. Yes, yeah. Um, but stress and anxiety are also themselves triggers for overeating. And one really interesting thing in this book that they pointed out um, is that studies have shown that people who struggle with their weight um, actually have higher perfectionist scores. So that in itself is showing that um, perfectionism is a trap and actually for a lot of people does lead to overeating. That's interesting. Lauren, perfectionists or perfectionism resonates with you. Um, how do you think you've moved past that or have you? Um, in some areas, yes. In others, not so much. Like I feel like I have that trait in some areas of my life and not others. Like, am I a perfectionist with cleaning my house? Absolutely not. 
Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I was with eating and exercise. Um, and another thing is like being on time for things. That's probably what I struggle with now. I've kind of overcome the eating and workout perfectionism. Um, but yeah, I definitely used to struggle with it. And it, I think it's a really common one. I it kind of really, goes hand in hand, sorry, with the all or nothing too. It does. I used to, I used to really struggle actually, um, housewise. Like I used to struggle with letting people come over into my house unless it looked perfect. And I would be like the crazy mom that was like, you know, someone's going to be there in five minutes and I'm like, Claire runs and like, ah! like <laughs> my husband's um, actually more like that than I am. And so, and I am not at all like that. So We've, yeah, I've really let that go. That. <laughs> and the clean mama, we have a we have a podcast with the clean mama actually that um, is really great. And if you struggle with that, like me, you should go li- listen to the clean mama, and you should also look her up on Facebook because she's awesome. But um, yeah, the thing is, um, perfectionism it doesn't work. There's just no range of error there, and we are human beings and not robots. Um, and when you let go, start letting go of your perfectionist ways, it's just a weight off. It's a huge weight off. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can start cultivating some self-compassion and realizing that you don't have to hit the mark every single time. And I would argue that, um, striving for good health instead of perfect health actually leads to better health. And I would say just to echo what you said about self-compassion, you know, I think we're as, as women and, and mothers, we're probably already applying that self, that compassion to other people in our lives. Uh, we wouldn't expect our kids or our husband or our partner, our spouse or girlfriends to be perfect all the time. And if they make a mistake or if they, you know, kind of take a wrong turn or a detour, uh, we would probably just say, all right, let's, you know, get back on track. But yet with perfectionists to ourselves, we tend to beat ourselves up and blame and judge and critique and self-deprivate. And that can be a really, really slippery slope. Um, right. If you have no range for error and if you respect, if you expect yourself to be perfect at everything, when you inevitably aren't, then you just give it all up. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, well, why bother? You get a case of the screw-its, which that's the PG version. We call it something different. (laughs) But for the podcast sake, we'll keep it the screw-its. And and that can can really aid in that all-or-nothing thinking that we just talked about too. That like, if -hmm. you can't do it perfectly, then you're just not going to do it at all. And I I mean, hand raised to that too. Uh, which can be difficult to say, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm just going to be okay with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one thing we, Annie and I joke a lot about is that we are not wonderful cooks. And, um, I, I joke about it and I don't really care for myself, but I have felt shame around that for my family. Like I can't cook a, a nice meal for my family. And actually last night I tried to cook, I tried to cook a meal and it was awful. Like it turned out so bad. No one ate it and I cried. <laughs> and, oh. and no one, no one really cared. Like we had something else and like it was fine, but I, I cried. So we're all still working on Yeah. <laughs> on so you went, if you were just kind of shrugged and said, you win some, you lose some. Right. And you know who I looked to? Um, I looked to um, my mother-in-law is just 
awesome in this area. And maybe it's her age and wisdom and looking back at life and realizing. But I just, I noticed she says, oh, well, a lot. <laughs> like, if she were over, one time I made ribs because my father-in-law loves ribs. And they were so burnt that when we unwrapped them out of the foil, they were just like powder. Like, they were just like... <laughs> disintegrated. <laughs> They're just so black. <laughs> and I was mortified. And this was actually I this was actually within the first 6 months of us getting married. So I was really mortified. And I remember she said, "Oh well," and like started getting out crackers and cheese and sausage and like to have for supper. And they're just so laid back and I can see how much like she just doesn't stress about anything. And I think it's so great. Freedom. Freedom. So yeah, yeah, this is the progress, not perfection. This Absolutely. is where people need to apply that saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about the third personality trait, people with a deficit mindset. Right. So people with a deficit mindset have more of their attention on what they haven't accomplished um, or what they have yet to achieve rather than everything that they've done well and how far they've come. Wah, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> this is so, me, you guys. This is me. Is it? Yes. Especially not so much necessarily uh, when it comes to food, but when it comes to exercise. Because I want to, um, you know, I, I've picked up CrossFit in the last year, and uh, there's a lot of new skills that I have never, ever touched in my life before, and I want them all right now. And I really have to be intentional intentional about uh, reflecting on how far I've come and the skills that I have learned versus what I have yet to learn. Right? Yeah. Didn't you just get toes to bar in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, but and or something. Yeah, like it's amazing. Yeah, and that's why and that's why I love videotaping because I can scroll. Like, okay, look at where I was six months ago. Because when you're in the day to day, like when you're in it, it can feel like you're not making any progress at all. Like it's like a snail's pace. But when you look back and in the bigger picture, it's like, whoa, I've made a lot of improvement. And when you're surrounded by people who have those skills and you don't you don't necessarily see their journey or and you're comparing yourself to them, that can really lead people to a deficit mindset. I Absolutely. Think. And and I find um, I personally find this is this is kind of ironic because I tend to focus on what I have yet to do, but what I find really motivating is how far I've come and the fact that like, okay, I have come really far, I have made improvement, and I can continue to make that improvement. Right. right. I find that really motivating. And this is something right. we talk about a lot actually in our program balance 365 because one of the main components of our program is making one change at a time. So day to day, it doesn't feel like you're making as much progress as you would if you went on, you know, a diet overhaul. So one thing that's really important to do is to one, celebrate the daily wins, but also take a broader view once you're a month in, two months in, three months in and look back and see how far you've actually come, even though you're only implementing one thing at a time. Yeah. A woman in Balance 365 yesterday posted that, um, so she uses our habit trackers. We have habit trackers inside of Balance 365 so that it's a really simple system. Actually, it's just, here's your habit. And at the end of the day, do you check it off or not check it off? And we encourage people to, to do this without judgment. It's not a morality thing. It's just, did you do it or didn't you? And there was a woman that posted yesterday that she was feeling really discouraged because she felt like she'd had a rough couple of days and hadn't hit her 
you know, hit her habits. But then she took a step back because here we are at the end of June. She took a step back and looked at the whole month and realized she had far more check marks over the month than no check marks and was actually feeling quite proud of herself. So that's a good point, Lauren, of zooming out. You know, I think a really simple question that if this, if this sounds like you, if you have a deficit mindset, a really simple question is, uh, what's going well? You know, and 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 focus on that because so often, especially as women, I think our inclination is like, what went wrong? What didn't go well? What what didn't work? Um, And just flipping that question and saying, what what is going well? What's working? And keeping your focus on that can be really, really encouraging. And even just making a list, like having that list on hand as well so that you don't forget. Because in the busyness of day-to-day, you can you might forget what's gone well for you that month, right? If, you're con- if you are a person prone to deficit mindset thinking, um, yeah, keep a running list um, or do this habit tracking um, or that kind of thing. So... Um, and keep keep track of the big and small things. You know, the small things matter. And that's why in Balance 365 and in Healthy Habits Happy Moms, we actually have um, this thing called NSVs. So people will post an NSV and then new people are like, what does that mean? But an NSV is a, is a non-scale victory. And the reason we have non-scale victories in our communities is because, um, well, we know that social media and society in general is very focused on weight. Um, so how can we get people to focus on everything outside of weight? So there's non-scale victories in your life might mean today I ate until I was satisfied. So I didn't overeat today. And like, let's celebrate that. That's great because it is all of these little things added up that will are leading people to their, you know, their the way they want to feel and their health and wellness goals. So um, yeah, celebrate those things. Absolutely. And then I want to mention in the book, I didn't, I didn't put this in the show notes for us to talk about, but I just want to mention quickly, cause I think it's really funny that in the book, um, they say on the flip side to this, you need doctors need to be cautious <laughs> around people who have the opposite mindset, who think they're doing everything well and perfect, <laughs> but they're not making any progress and nothing is changing. <laughs> But they're like, but I'm doing everything. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like we maybe see we that need... sometimes. We yeah. see that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Saying like, but I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and nothing is changing. And 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 you know, and that's like I love the optimism for sure. But in that case, um, that's actually when tracking your habits or just taking an honest, non-judgmental approach. Um, and systematically going through what you're doing and actually tracking it can be really good because it also shows you, um, I guess, the weak points in your consistency when you're not as consistent as you thought you were right. kind of thing. So Yeah. On, you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, you got to be honest. And, and the other thing, like we say this all the time, is you have to – you can be honest with yourself without judging yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Four, people who are help avoidant. Help avoidant. That's Is tricky. Anybody in here help avoidant? Doesn't like I have no idea help. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll so do we, it myself. <laughs> yes. So we do live in a society that applauds the strong woman, and that's awesome. However, on the flip side, it can lead to a 
people becoming help avoidant. So women who do not like asking for help or see it as a weakness. Um, and unfortunately, um, these people aren't going to get what they need um, or the health care they require um, because of that help avoidance. Because eventually we all need help and um, no one can do it alone forever. So, and that's from big ways to small. So in, in this book, they talk about um, not being able to ask their doctor for help, going in and saying, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But then there's, you know, the smaller ways when your, I don't know, your mom says, um, hey, you're sick. Why don't I come stay with you for a few days and help you out? And you're like, no, I'm fine. I can do it. Right. I'll get by. Yeah, I just had that... Um... I just experienced that this week. My, uh, we just returned from vacation, from a, a wonderful vacation in uh, Moab, Utah. But um, as you know, vacation is a lot of family time, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is wonderful. But by the end, after this 16-hour car ride, I like needed some like alone time. And I had forgotten that my nanny uh, had asked for Monday and Tuesday off. And uh, so here my husband was, you know, saying, well, how can I help? Can can you hit the gym up, you know, at, when I get home from work? Or can you call in another babysitter? And I had this chip on my shoulder. I was like, no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'm fine. I'll do it. And you know what happened? I went to the gym and I was bitter. Like right, I was yeah. just angry. And, and, and I, I, I had help. I could have asked for help. I had help being offered to me. And I was, I don't know if it was my pride or my ego or this like, you know, suck it up and do it mindset. But um, I, it really turned me kind of resentful in some ways. And if I would have just said, just take the help and, and be grateful and appreciate it. Right. I also think what happens is that a lot of times we feel we don't have help and we don't have options and that can hurt. So we get into this mindset of, no, I'm going to do it and I'm alone and I'm going to accept that and everything is on me. And it's almost like you get, and this is, I guess I'm speaking for me personally. <laughs> so, so you kind of get this tunnel vision of just chugging along like a steam engine and you're just like, no, I'm doing it alone. I got this. And then when help comes along, you don't even recognize it. Or for me personally, sometimes I was afraid to take help because I, one, I didn't feel like I could ever return the favor because I was just so busy and overwhelmed. I thought, well, how can I ever pay this person back? And two, it, I didn't want to become accustomed to it. So it was almost like, it was almost easier to just like do one thing and not think about, you know, not get help ever because I didn't want to be reminded of what it feels like to have help because that was more depressing after it was gone than if I just didn't take it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to kind of weed through there. But base what I guess what we people what we want people to understand is that this is a factor. So this has been identified by professionals as a factor in what um, can the type of person that struggles with um, like whether it's disordered eating or inconsistency with health and wellness, et cetera. Yeah. One and go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> Sorry. One thing I noticed for myself with this one too, specifically regarding the healthcare is um, when my first daughter was born, she had some minor health issues and they were things that kind of weren't picked up by her doctor because, you know, I'm the one who was with her all of the time. So I noticed it and I, really, really had to be an advocate for her. And I was, but I was not an advocate for myself. 
So like I had my own, you know, issues and a little bit of postpartum depression and I never reached out for myself, but I had no problem being that advocate for her. So I think that's something that's really common too, especially with mothers. Right. The other thing I see happening quite often as far as asking for help or just distributing responsibility in households more is that a lot of women don't even want to ask their partners for help. They don't even want to, like, there's just this mindset of, um, I take care of the kids, I take care of the house, and I can't have anything for me unless all of that has been taken care of. Yeah. Um, and so, which is just like, wow, like, it's tough, tough to hear that. I mean, every marriage is different and everybody's marital contracts you know what goes on day to day is different for them but I know when I was first what happened to me was um we had our first son and then I went on maternity leave for a year and that year it just sort of you know where my partner was working full-time I was home full-time so I started taking on more responsibilities at home and more childcare stuff but then after a year I went back to work And like, we didn't stop to reassess what responsibilities would change. And I just kept doing all of the, everything I was doing plus working. And, um, and, and also with that mindset too, like, it's just kind of crazy to me now that I, we didn't stop to reassess. So like, you know, I always felt like, um, I always felt like my partner's job was like really grueling and that my responsibility was to kind of make sure his life was easier when he got home. It's really weird to me now that I thought that way (laughs) because in that we're talking like 10 years ago and, but I do still see it a lot sometimes like in Healthy Habits Happy Moms, you know, if someone posts like, oh, I remember one that happened sometime in the last three years that really stood out to me was that her partner she just has no time for herself. And so women were saying, well, what about, you know, on the weekends, can you get up and go Saturday morning to the gym or something? And she was saying, well, you know, my husband, he works really hard all week and I'm home with the baby. And when he comes home, um, Saturdays, Saturday mornings, every Saturday and Sunday morning, he goes golfing and that's like his downtime from work. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really sad. Like, you know, so you know, you guys know what I'm saying yeah, here? Yeah, and it yeah. can be pretty, I feel like we see it. We see it here and there a little bit and I've lived it. So I get, I get it. But it's also like, it really does devalue our work as mothers. And mm-hmm. yeah, we just, and that just can require, that's more about boundary setting than at, than asking for help. Right. And I think well, expectations too, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, we've talked about this too, about, you know, the, the cliche, but true, analogy to taking care of yourself with the oxygen mask on the airplane that you have to put it on before you can help other people. But aside from helping other people, it's okay just to help yourself, period. Yeah, it yeah. is like, okay. It's not okay so you to... can help other people, just so you can take care of yourself. Yes, full like, stop. Yes, yes, that's it. It's okay. Like, you are worthy. Yes, yes. you can not... treat yourself the same with the same consideration yeah. as you do other people in your household. Yes. Um, yeah, and the other, like, the other thing, point I just want to make is that we can't keep saying that raising children or motherhood is the most important job in the world and then continue to devalue it as in putting ourselves last on the to-do list like if it truly is the most important job in the world then we take care of the person doing that job then we should be treated like queens 
Mm-hmm. All yes, day, every right. day. <laughs> treat yourself like and a queen. And if people aren't going to treat you like queens, you can treat yourself like a queen. Yeah. <laughs> like we, Adj- like, Annie like, adjusts her crown. Like, like, <laughs> I'm just fluffing my hair over here. Um, okay, moving along. Uh, next personality trait. People who are externally rather than internally motivated. And I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people. Jen, you want to tell us about it? Right. So as far as health and wellness goes, um, these people are almost entirely focused on weight loss. Like that is their guiding light to every decision we they make. And we call that weight-centric decision-making rather than health-centric decision-making. Um, so those people, they want to look thinner for social events or their beach vacation. Um, they think their husband will be more attracted to them when they're thinner. They want their children to be proud of them. Um, and I actually had one woman say to me once in Balance 365, this is in the last few years, she said to me, um, you know, I didn't want to be that mom, you know, the fat mom. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one to swallow. Totally. So just a lot of shame, you know, attached to that. Um, so yeah, this personality, um, they just, they just ooze for approval and compliments. Um, and they, and they, and we know, we know everybody likes compliments, especially Annie. (laughs) I (laughs) joke that compliments are my love language. (laughs) Right. I love compliments as well. But when you are externally motivated, they mean everything to you. Like you attach your self-worth to those compliments. So there's a big difference between being like, yeah, I like that compliment, rather than being like, I didn't get any compliments today and feeling really horrible about yourself at the end of the day. Right, Right. because the problem with that is, is that if you place all your value on other people's experience of you, um, when they don't have a positive experience or when they don't have any experience or they don't have, uh, when they have something negative to say about you, then you internalize that as well. Like you, you, you can't have it just take the good and leave the bad. Either you value their opinion or not. So Jen and I have talked about this a lot, how, you know, when it comes to compliments, um, I think I told you, you know, take the gift, it's a gift. And then you leave it at that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a little, it's a little sip of caffeine and you feel good and then you move on. Right, but it, it, yeah. you don't place all of your value and your self worth in that compliment. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so people, there's a lot of people that might um, resonate with this, but the best motivators for long lasting change are personal, and they are tied to our values and life vision. So this is straight from the book, um, and it's just really important to understand that. Um, external motivators are not the most effective goals for long lasting change. Like they can be good for short term. So like, you know, we, we see this a lot about, you know, wanting to get in shape for the beach vacation or whatever. And I'm not going to say that's bad necessarily. It really is about your approach and yourself, you know, what your self-worth is attached to that. Yeah. I think the key there is, like you said, kind of go into that eyes wide open knowing that maybe this is a short-term goal and um, ultimately it's not your life's purpose. It doesn't have to be something you carry with you uh, forever and ever. It could just be a little carrot, so to speak, to hang in front of you. Um, But if you find yourself constantly needing that carrot, um, you might want to reassess. Because when your when your values and um, your actions and your behaviors don't align, it can get a little tricky. 
Yeah. So I like, you know, I work out a couple times a week and I like seeing a little definition in my arms. That's nice. Um, but it was a game changer for me when I started going into my workouts with this vision of throwing my grandchildren above my head one day rather than always going for like these aesthetic goals which are just, it's just going for carrot after carrot after carrot. And eventually you just can't get enough carrots because do you know what I mean? Like you're never really happy where now I go and think, um, you know, big picture when I go, when I work out and move my body, I'm doing it for health, longevity, um, being able to participate in activities throughout my lifetime, that kind of thing. So if I was just going for the aesthetics of it, I just, you know, you know, I might miss a couple of weeks and give up and think, oh, there's no point. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really understand the big picture of strength training now and why you do it consistently. Well, and more internal motivation can look like how it makes you feel, how it helps right. you manage your stress, uh, your productivity, maybe some mental health issues, maybe it assists in those Um you know, that it gives you more confidence, uh, that it, you just, you just feel good. You just generally feel good, but it's not relying on how you look, how other people think you look, compliments that you're getting. Yeah. There might the be a size lot of clothes to you wear. There. Yeah. There might yeah. be a lot to unpack and it might be someone, you know, you might need to visit a therapist to unpack this. Like if you're listening to this and you find, wow, like lots of that really hit home for me. I am very externally motivated. I am, you know, it is about how I look. It is about being smaller. Um, you might just have to unpack some of that. You might need to want to listen to like our fat phobia podcast and, um, yeah, there is never a bad thing. Yeah. And it really, um, it really looks different from everyone. Like that, that internal motivation is from different from Lauren to you, to me, to members mm-hmm. in our community. It's really, um, a really personal Yeah. So I remember, I remember realizing, you know, feeling like I couldn't get like understanding what internal motivation was, but feeling like I couldn't get there. Like, why can't, why do I need to keep picking these external motivators? I'm trying to be internally motivated. You know, I was trying to will it. Um, and then I realized that I just had no self-worth. Like I really, even though those things are important, function is important. Health is important. Um, mental health is important. I couldn't make them important for me because I just really had no sense of self-worth. I really couldn't treat myself the same way I was treating my, you know, my children or my partner. I couldn't give them, I couldn't give myself the same consideration. So I did some therapy, which I'm really open with. Some groundbreaking therapy for me was um, about four years ago, almost to the day actually, um, this summer when I started therapy. And I think I basically had like underlying postpartum, unaddressed postpartum depression for years and just all kinds of different issues, disordered eating issues. And I had some really intensive therapy um, four years ago that helped me get to where I am today. So I always, always encourage women to, to do that as well. Good. That's a, I think that's really a good um trait to analyze because also uh when you were talking Jen it just kind of made me think it like 
the messages that we get from the diet and fitness industry is all external motivation. If you look at a cover of a magazine, it's all abs and weight loss and drop a pant size and bikini body. I mean, that's all external. That's all stuff that's happening outside of you. And, you know, if you don't stop and give it some more thought, you can easily think that that's all there is to yeah, and the messages can yeah. even be confusing. Katie Wilcox, um, she's a big, if you don't know her, definitely follow her. She's a big body positive advocate. She's also a model. She's a plus size model, even though she's not really a plus size woman in our world. Um, so she posted the other day a picture from a magazine, the difference from 1965 to 1969. And something happened in the late 60s where they realized that different marketing messages drove more purchases. And it was basically, um, it was a headline, it it just showed a drastic difference in how headlines changed on the front of women's magazines. And the one that came out in 1969, and this is when marketing messaging all started to shift, it it was just a weird message. It said, feel good from the inside out. And then underneath it was all these bullet points of, have flawless skin and you know all but that were actually beauty ideals and so it's just like confusing it's like so so if you intuitively know look I want to feel good inside but then the messages you are getting is like so you need to have flawless skin and a trimmer waist and do you know what I mean so and that's not internal that's not internal motivation at all I mean feeling good about yourself inside means you can have a massive breakout you can be 10 pounds heavier than you like to be and still feel good inside still be happy with who you are and know that you have value yet so many people and I say this with no judgment because I've done it many many times before are trying to feel good inside by fixing the outside right exactly and And it just doesn't work that way I wish it did because you know the inside work is really hard (laughs) yeah it takes a lot of work to feel good on the inside as far as how we can help in Balance 365 it's that um, we actually have a section of Balance 365 called the story of you and Melissa Melissa Parker, our our head of um, coaching um, for our company, she created that section. And that is about building out what your values are and what your life vision is. So if you're really confused about kind of this process, um, that is a really good section in our program for, for being able to come to those conclusions and discovering those values as I did about how, no, I don't want to work out like... That's not going to be my main driver anymore is how I look. It's going to be like when I go to the gym, it, it's about being strong enough to, you know, when I'm 65 years old, I want to be able to pick my grandchildren up and swing them above my head and stuff. So that's kind of, you know, and realizing that I'm actually not that motivated by aesthetic goals, you know, unless I'm shaming myself into it. So, but when I'm in a really good mindset and... And I'm, you know, once I found that self-worth and found my value, all of a sudden aesthetic goals weren't, you know, when I sat down to actually analyze what was important to me, they weren't that important to me in the big picture. So sometimes just going through that process can really help you discover um, what internally motivates you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we have covered a lot of the personality traits so far, and we are approaching an hour, and we want to be respectful of our listeners' time. 
um, as always. So what do you think we pick this up in a second episode? Would that be okay with you ladies? Yeah, let's Sounds do that. We good. covered five and we'll breeze through the next six. In yeah, our, and they're in, good. And I'm, I'm looking at them right now. You don't want to miss these either. These yeah, are, they're some, great. There's these some good are, ones in here too. Yeah. They just get juicier and juicier. <laughs> okay, so we will be back in our next episode continuing the uh, personality traits discussion. All right. All right. Thanks, ladies. Bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.